hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America. No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. police are here that's how the police announce that they show up to a place right that's beep, you know, beep, beep. it's the sound of the police that's what they do do police beep, cars beep. have horns they never use them they just like bloop. no one's ever heard the sound of a police horn they say if you if you hear it you'll go you'll go mad you'll lose your mind it's the most powerful tool they have mm, that's true the time I mean, you've heard it it's already too late. Yeah. Come to think of it, when I hear like a, a continuous siren, it's usually an ambulance or fire truck. And you're right, police they do the if they do the the uh, single the the shots. They shots just the sound. I was it's biking around the other day, and like you'll have a cop next to you, like at a light, and then you'll see the guy just like look around, get bored of waiting for a red light, and then go like. And then just go through the red light and not be doing cop shit, really. I know somebody, or I know someone who knows somebody, more accurately, in Minneapolis, who a cop did that, and this guy was riding a bike and got hit by the cop car. Happens all the fucking time, man. Yeah. And they had to do a settlement, got some payout, but yeah. The new thing that the cops have in New York is in the back of the car... There's like a streaming marquee that will tell you, I think the idea is it tells you what crime they are going to go solve or whatever the fuck the story is that they're trying to put off. But I got cut off by these two like loud, stupid cop cars the other day. And in the back of their car, it was just said like, um, it looked like the side of like a food truck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the scrolling words, it said illegal fireworks, illegal fireworks. It was like, no one gives a fuck, (laughs) you know? In fact, we all thought you people gave out the illegal fireworks. Anyway, it's a fucking cop episode. Whoa. Today, Um, that didn't sound as cool as I thought it would sound. Cop episode. There we go. Um, you need more pedals, bro. You know, I haven't really used these as much as I thought I would when I got them. Um, some someday I, I was going to be QAnon with this at one point, but he's kind of over. You know, well, he's over canceled. until you revive him. That's true. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll bring back Q. Um, no, no, I figured we should do a police episode because there are so many, um, insane police things happening this week. And then also there's the ongoing, you know, constant struggle against them in general, which, uh, it's always a good time to talk about, but, um, let's start the show. I'm Jake Flores. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here from St. Paul, not from St. Paul, but I am from St. Paul. Okay. Alex Patak is here. Hey everyone, I'm friends with Anders. All right, I like it. Friend of St. Paul. Officers Patak, Lee, Flores, the worst (laughs) cops in town. (laughs) On the beat, on the case. 
to I mean people have tried and there's a great I think I talked about this movie there's a great movie with uh the, the about you know joining the police force and uh Steve McQueen <laughs> movie yeah. and like trying to fix it from the inside which it like doesn't work uh but you could maybe sabotage it from the inside that's so kind of what I was thinking of, yeah a bunch of doofuses to join. Maybe, is that what Police Academy was about? I don't remember. Yeah, Police Academy was a radical police abolitionist film about destroying... It was about entryism. About, it's a step beyond yeah. defund Police Academy. <clears throat> They're looking to abolish with their helicopter <laughs> mouth noises. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there have been in D.C., actually, where I'm recording from, there was like this mass... Uh, like. A bunch of cops in the very early 90s, uh, like, they qualified for their pensions, so, like, half the department just retired, and so they really needed to hire a bunch of people really quickly, and so they, like, lowered the standards by a lot, and uh, basically that happened. Like, there was just extreme corruption, Um, but these, unfortunately, were slackers who were also, like, violent uh psychopaths right yeah i've noticed uh i think a lot of times when people take down the police from the inside they just act as uh more criminal gangs essentially (laughs) (laughs) it's not like a victory for anyone really it's just uh uh criminals protected by the state yeah so what i understand you just get corrupt police go ahead Right, yeah, we could corrupt them and get them to lose their guns. Or, like, forget their guns at home, take your friend's guns, like, throw them in a lake or something. Just some somewhere where they don't have access to the guns. That would be, I think, the best way to sabotage, potentially. I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been reading about, like, organized crime way, way, way back in, like, the 20s and shit. And, like, one of the first things that they would do when, the like, the early, early, like, heroin, opium drug trade first started was if you were selling drugs, you would you'd mob up the police you would just corrupt and pay off a bunch of police officers and uh you know that sort of continues to this day even but it didn't create like anti it didn't create good cops it just created cops that just work (laughs) for the black market and then they'll just like break your legs or whatever right i think what we're looking for right is not to create bad cops what we're looking to do is create defanged cops so what you have to do instead of mobbing them up with uh, affiliated criminals is instead you have to kind of get them to feel like they are uh in love for the first time maybe or Mm. around their crush and then that way they're kind of nervous yeah, they're kind of doing the finger thing where you're touching your fingers together and you're like, oh, um, oh. I don't know if uh, crossing the street that way was against the law. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we put them all on Molly or something. <laughs> there was, feel. I remember seeing on one of those Inside Edition, one of those shows, there was a woman who got arrested because uh, there was a cop who came to her neighborhood and she called 911 after he had left and, and said like, you know, there was just such a good-looking police officer here. I wonder if you could give me a phone number. <laughs> I've just never seen such a good-looking man in uniform like that. Ma'am, this is um, a crime. This is a yeah, federal crime. It is, <laughs> apparently. So we can't prank like, call them, which is unfortunate. But It's the cop equivalent of harassing the t- the drive through booth at Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You can't prank call the police as Zach Galifianakis's fake brother with that accent and just talk to them like that? <laughs> I guess not. I mean, you would think it's that you'd be able to star six, seven them, but maybe they, they have a way through that. Um, 
But speaking of crooked cops, <laughs> they've it's... developed technology beyond Star Six Seven. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the awesome things that the the cops are doing this week. Uh, very cool, smart brained things in Bloomington, Illinois. You might have seen this. Um, the Bloomington Police Department tweeted a picture of themselves next to one of those like neighborhood lending libraries that you just put books you don't want in. It says after some thefts from little libraries in our from little libraries is what they're called in our city, officers and staff came together to donate a bunch of books to the libraries. Now people can use and enjoy them again. So they think that people are stealing the books from the libraries, which is, you know, like hilarious because they're it's a lot it's for free it's free shit like they don't understand community fridges and stuff like that i get because the idea here do they think that like you have to sign up for a little lending library card i think on, like it, some, just because they're, yeah i think i think because they're cops they just their entire job is like enforcing property right People right. always say, oh, the anti-police thing is not that fucking anti-capitalist. They're, they're, cops literally, the only their brains is only oriented around protecting property. And, like, I think that they see this, like, take a penny, leave a penny thing at a gas station, and then they're just, just, like, getting angry and shit about it. They're like, but someone, who do I, I gotta shoot somebody, right? Someone right. Took, took a penny without Good leaving God. a penny? Right, crazy. the entire community has been taking pennies. <laughs> yeah. It goes In, all the way to the top. If someone calls the police on someone else, nine times out of ten, somebody's got to go to jail. Like I feel like that's the mentality. Like a few years ago, there was someone who uh, paid with a two dollar bill at a store, and the clerk had never seen a two dollar bill before. So they're like, "Oh, well, this is fake currency. You're trying to counterfeit me." And so they called a, the police. And the police had also not heard of a $2 bill, so this person got arrested for using a $2 bill. Like, the real that crime was a here fake is the $2 thing. bill lobby and their lack of information in the general public. That's well, you know what the issue is? Is there actually people, there are a lot of $2 bills out there, but anytime somebody gets one, they think, oh, this is a super rare thing, so they hang it on their wall, and so everyone just has them in collection, and, and they're not in circulation. Yeah. I have one in my drawer. It's considered unlucky <laughs> You're the to problem. tip with and shit like that. It's fucking dumb. I mean, it's, it's dumb that $2 bills <laughs> exist. It doesn't make any right. sense. Uh, the, I like them. I call them toonies. They put... Like I'm a, Canadian. They put a bunch of Danielle Steele, like, romance novels in the library, and then, like, a Michael Crichton book... And uh, a Glenn Beck book is in there, if you zoom oh, in on great. the picture. And then just Im- like a... Impossible to resist. book about baseball called I Love This Game. Like, they put the shit that cops ostensibly read, which is shit for idiots, <laughs> into it. Um, but I think what they... I'm still trying to figure out what they thought it was. Here's... Like, are people supposed... They're allowed to hang out there and read an entire book as long as you don't leave, like, the five-foot radius? Like, you have to finish the book there and then put it back i think i looked into it and here's what i think happened some some kid probably was just clearing it out and then probably like donating them to a used bookstore for like a few dollars or whatever and so the cops see that and they're like well i have to 
This is not today, Bucko. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that might be a dick move. <laughs> You're gonna but die tonight, <laughs> dude. No one gives a shit. I mean, the books are literally free. You are allowed to do that if you want. If you're technically allowed to eat everything in a community fridge, if you fucking want, it might be rude. Somebody else might, but it's not the cops' job to like regulate it. It's like the other people that are using right. the community fucking you know little weird co-op-y, you know it's self governed right and the cops can't stand for it so they got to poke their ass into it so if you think you're going to set up some kind of like chore wheel in your apartment don't the cops could show up you know and they could be like anders isn't doing the dishes on wednesday so fucking heads gotta roll motherfucker (laughs) y'all gonna make me lose my mind they start shooting their guns everywhere and shit There, man, I will say in DC, I have picked up some of the most atrocious books from these little lending libraries. I've, I've taken them off the streets because they're polluting they're, they're people's never minds. Good. It's the shit you want to get rid of. Yeah. We did an episode about I was one. about to say, like, this is yeah. the premise of a third of this podcast, I feel like. Yeah, I picked up so many about like, from like the late 80s about how everything's just going to be great in 20 years. Like, we'll have solved poverty just by marketizing everything and locking people in jail it's yeah it's the power elite just dumping their used books in well sometimes there's good ones in there oh well i bet there is in brooklyn or other places but dc is you know, <laughs> at least northwest right. dc is obviously some of the worst people all right let that be a lesson dumbass cop story number two Ooh. um Dude, there's an automatic podcast sample we got to get as the police siren. Of course. I got to get that fucking soundboard back. I'm using a different mixer now, but just, you know, boop. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, write this down. So another thing, that, your notes. <laughs> another thing that happened this week is that um, this is in Oakland. There was a uh, pretrial hearing for Jason Fletcher, a police officer who's charged with manslaughter for shooting and killing Stephen Taylor, a black man, inside of a Walmart last year. Along with Taylor's family, advocates for justice gathered to listen to the hearing broadcast on the courthouse steps as COVID restrictions prevented them from entering the courtroom. So there's this whole thing happening outside. There's people showing up. And there's a uh, video taken on the steps of uh, anti-police terror project James Birch, policy director. He could be seen asking the sheriff's deputy why the group can't use their banner. The police are saying, oh, you need to take your banner down because it's insightful or whatever. So someone starts filming this. And then what happened is the police officer, I guess this is very clever. Someone figured this out after all these years. He takes out his smartphone and he starts playing Taylor Swift's song Blank Space on his speaker and slides the phone into his shirt. He says, you can record it all you want. I just know it can't be posted on YouTube. So cops are now doing the thing from 30 Rock where you like can't be filmed if you're covered in like copyrighted material or whatever. Um, And it raised this like crazy you know discourse online about it and on youtube involving intellectual property rights and shit like that uh but also it's uh fucking stupid that this is happening yeah you know? it sounds like they all like taylor swift dog that's what i think what i don't get can't, lane, you just, dude. can't you just mute the video or you, you wanted to hear you needed to hear the stuff he was saying 
I mean, it, you probably could. I think the idea was that he was just like, I'm going to have the the music be so ubiquitous that like while I'm talking, it's behind it. Because the, he, I, the reason that this works, the same reason that our podcast has been taken off of YouTube before, if you think it would be funny to, telling the truth <laughs> if you think it would be funny to introduce a segment about cocaine with the line from the eagles song everything all the time guess what even for five seconds the robot that ma- that manages the algorithm on youtube will catch it so that's i think the thinking here is that it's an um it's a uh it's an automated robot thing that like takes content down, which is weird though. I think the cop maybe should not have told people that because you're right. They could just edit around it. But I mean, it would be smarter actually to just put the music out and then let the thing get taken down. As much right. as IP law sucks, and this is another form of, uh, the, the the wonderful oppression we get. This is also like the least violent thing I've heard of a policeman doing <laughs> ever. So I kind of want to reward them for the creativity there. Uh, we love your outside the box thinking. Keep doing more YouTube shenanigans. I mean, it still could be on TikTok, right? There's you know every song, every video I feel like on TikTok has a song in the background that somebody's referencing. Every video has a song in the background. That's a TikTok fact. Apparently, this is like a widely practiced thing on cops. It says, earlier this year, a Beverly Hills officer chose Sublime as the backtrack for his conversation oh with God. the man who came to dispute a ticket. So uh, it's like a myth, then. It's like something that multiple people are trying. Yeah. He said it's the video. It's like the rule, if you ask a cop if they're a cop, they have to say yes, but in reverse. Right. So we all are idiots and believe that about cops, or and cops believe... That if you're asking them about a ticket and you film it, it won't be put on the internet if they pull out a phone and they it starts playing like, uh, I smoke two joints in the morning, I smoke two joints at night, I don't Record practice. Record it all you want, I smoke two joints. <laughs> well, then that's that could help end up backfiring on the cops because they think they can act with impunity. As long as, like, hard in a blender, watch a random round, a beautiful oblivion, and they're just, like, beating somebody with a billy club for no reason. Yeah, that could backfire. Yeah. It yeah. could backfire. Maybe we should let them continue to, to run around with the heart in the blender song on. Yeah. Yes. That, it's, like, just that. So, it's legally just that song that they can do crimes to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a loophole. <laughs> it gets them so amped up. They love Max's Twitter account. They're so into the post- uh, you know, famous thing that he's doing, the postmodernly self-aware one-hit wonder. The cops are always talking about it down at the station. They're like, did you see what he said about Red Scare? It's fucking crazy, dude. Yo, I mean, this is the probably... same guy who was torn with Fountains of Wayne, so you know he's real. <laughs> I mean, they probably like Rage Against the Machine. I bet a bunch of cops do. Yeah, they're, they're dumbasses. Also because yeah. it's great music. It Shout is, yes. Rage Against the Machine, thank you for listening and supporting our show. We're good friends with you, and you're friends with us. No, yeah. they are, yeah, I'm not blaming Rage Against the Machine. I'm making fun of, you know, Paul Ryan and shit like that. Who Don't listen to the lyrics. Yeah, and Outlaw Country people. I saw a funny Hard Times article that reminded me of that Outlaw. In Texas, there's people that are just, like, really into Johnny Cash, but they love the cops and don't see the irony at all <laughs> completely insane yeah he was a guard in san quentin that's what he was singing about 
Yeah. <laughs> he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, and also because he had violated, right. uh, you know. He stole a candy bar, so it was right. okay. He stole from the public <laughs> library, the lending library in <laughs> Reno. I shot a man in Reno just because he stole a book from a library where it's technically free to steal books and it's not stealing. It's protecting the people's Dean Coats. He had a copy of Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing that happened this week that kind of was uh, a viral thing was the bomb squad in L.A. that went to... Oh. <laughs> to uh, I guess this the story is that they went to, to, to confiscate, like, a metric ton of illegal fireworks or something, which, like, how the fuck do you even... Know? How do you find out that that's happening <laughs> and then send, like, a, a person to go take it away but they said that they they put it into like a truck that's designed to detonate the bombs inside of the truck and then they just did that in the middle of a neighborhood and they blew up two people's houses so i will be linking to the gofundme in the show notes because the, they straight up just destroyed two families homes and those people are just like living on their friend's couch now and shit Fuck. yeah it comes paid? at a real price sometimes <laughs> so the police they they, restitution i don't they have a gofundme dude <laughs> because the police turn themselves into the wily coyote outside of their fucking home <laughs> just standing in the street you know burnt to a crisp holding the sign that uh, says ouch or whatever um, gotta just let people do their thing with fireworks that's one of the, you know i had a we had a karen when i was a kid trying to call the police on us because we would mix fireworks together which I know they go in a certain pattern, but this makes it look cooler because all the colors at once. Uh, but people are like, no, 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 that's that's too rad. You can't have that much fun. Yeah. We did also put a bunch of shit from under the sink in them, so maybe it's <laughs> somewhat warranted. But so. ah, this, this story really escalates as it keeps going, but I'm on your side. Everybody you. does a little bit of chemical warfare when they're a teenager. It's fun. It's part of growing up. I was like nine, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Even, was nine. I also I stole these from a free book depository. Yeah. Fi oh, they should do free firework depositories so everybody can yes. have equal access to Fourth of July. They should put yes, the yes. anarchist cookbook in the the free library, so that yeah. the, then a cop gets really mad that you didn't purchase the anarchist cookbook, and he's like, right. "You pay that man, <laughs> the publisher of the anarchist cookbook. He's a red blooded American." <laughs> he wrote his book for money. Um, yeah, so uh, cops are, you know, so cool. They're just the smartest, most awesome people in society. And they should totally have guns. You look at all this and you're like, we should trust these people with a fucking piece of metal that can end my life instantly at all times. The Taylor yeah, Swift guy. The house. Maybe they should be able to blow up a... Uh any body in front of them with the pull of a trigger. Let's at least reduce it to bottle rockets. See how they do with those. That'd be cool if the cop just had to start throwing black cats at you instead of having a gun. <laughs> you could fight him back with a Roman candle. Yeah. Too much precision. That's the problem. You'll never take You'll me alive, area. coppers. And then you just start lighting a snake. <laughs> it takes forever. Um... Well, what are we talking about today? So I want to well, focus on Minneapolis. Sorry, Andrews, you're going to say something. Well, I have a good segue here. We're talking about corrupt police. 
uh, and bad police. In the heyday of organized crime in America, the St. Paul was a hotbed for uh, bank robbers, um, little known facts. And what they would often do, I think I've mentioned this part before, but they would rob a bank in Minneapolis, come back to St. Paul, and the Minneapolis police would call the St. Paul police and said, they'd say, oh, we'll get right on that, and then they wouldn't do anything about it. And they also had a check-in, so if you were a mobster who was coming from a different city to St. Paul, you would check in with the police, and they would they would tell you where not to go, but they would also give you a place to stay and tell you where who to hit up for the hooch and the ladies and stuff like that. So, long history of corruption, even in Minnesota nice Twin Cities. Wow. The mobsters back then were Minnesota nice. They would you would sound like they were being nice to you, but they were actually being mean. I can't even handle the thought. Yeah. <laughs> um there should be a law. A law preventing this. Yeah. What's the what's the famous thing Al Capone said? I'm trying to figure out. I'm up to my ears in syphilis. <laughs> Ah, fuck it. I can't remember. I was going to try to do a Minnesota nice Al Capone character. And he's like, yeah, yeah I'll help you move. <laughs> uh, but he secretly doesn't like it. I don't know. Fuck it. Or, yeah. That's not even how he talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he's I, kind of the Lil John of his time. Yeah. 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 Nah, I don't think your girlfriend's annoying at all. Wink, wink. All right. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Minneapolis. Uh, so the reason I wanted to talk to some people on the ground is because I was reading recently about what's been going on in Minneapolis, and I noticed on social media that it has been ongoing, and you can see all the fucking live footage and tweets and things like that, but there isn't a lot of actual like journalism covering what has been happening because um, I think largely the narrative in America is that this sort of stuff stopped, Especially here in New York, it did. Um, and everything's just back to normal, right? But if you follow Portland and Minneapolis, it seems like, you know, the struggle against the police is still going. It's never really let up. Um, it's ebbed and flowed a little bit. Uh, but if you do read about the various things that have happened, most of them are covered by like local news, which is brainwash trash for boomers. So you can't trust that, right? And so, um, I started looking into some of the organizations that are, you know, engaged in, you know, distributing mutual aid and things like that. And also following along these organizations and exposing police and, and what's called collaborators. So a big problem that's been happening, I think, is in in the effort to um, to resist the police. We saw a lot of this in the in the uprisings and everything last year. But um these sort of non-government organization type things will form that look like um, they're trying to help or they're trying to mediate between police and the community, quote unquote, or something like that. And in reality, the way it's referred to, I guess, academically is that they're practicing something called recuperation and collaboration. So 
recuperation, um, reading from an article about it here, is the process by which those who would otherwise fight to overthrow current power structures, such as policing, are made to support initiatives that either reinforce those power structures, such as police community partnerships, or replace them with other structures that serve essentially the same function, such as community patrols that act like police, only minus the badge and uniform. Um, and I noticed a couple of, of organizations that were keeping track of these, so I thought it was cool, um, and I started there. So right on the right off the bat, if you're uh, in Minnesota, <laughs> I'll link this. This uh, there'll be a lot of links in this episode. I'll link this piece that sort of compiles some of the groups to look out for that are engaged in recuperation. One of them is the Minnesota Freedom Fighters, who originally formed in the wake of the George Floyd uprising as the result of a call from the NAACP to protect Northside businesses. So you've got these guys who are you know carrying AK-47s and wearing bulletproof vests, and they look very militant. But then if you ask them what they're there for, it's to protect businesses from you. So fuck them, you know. Um, there's also a group called the Minneapolis, Minneapolis as the, the end of the word is U.S. Minneapolis. <laughs> Violence interrupters created by the city's Office of Violence Prevention in the wake of the 2020 uprising after initial stint. They ceased operations but are remobilizing as of June 2021, wearing fucking bright orange t-shirts with the logo, the Violence Interrupters. Um, they have uh, blah, 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 just been seen during anti-police protests, telling people to go home and then directing a crowd to a mass arrest, into a mass arrest situation at a protest outside the precinct. So, you know, just shit for the cops. Um, we saw this a lot last, last summer with like that. Remember the guy with the beret in New York that turned out to be like an Instagram model who's like leading the protests and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, they came strapped and yeah. There's also He's mad beautiful. There's also was, yeah. <laughs> There's also Mad Dads, which is an acronym for Men Against Destruction, Defending Against Drugs, and Social Disorder, which, Jesus Christ, is a mess. Wait, where is the social in there? Dads. Oh, uh, okay, so social disorder is one word? Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah, I have some problems with the Mad Dads acronym. <laughs> yeah, before we even get into what they do. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's, I think it just could be improved. They're dads, you know. They have a lot of responsibility and, and experience and coming up with solutions. They wear reflective vests and black caps and have been seen um, encouraging people to go home or to obey police orders. So you just have all this shit all over the place, right? This is like a huge problem in any protest. Um, but I looked into a couple of these uh, watchdogs, essentially, like um, leftist watchdog accounts that keep track of stuff like this in order to track like moles and stuff like that because I think there's a lot of undercover cops and shit like that out there and uh, was pointed in the direction of a few people who are honestly just like foot soldiers on in a lot of ways and, you know, in the, the street resistance against the um, the police. And so what we're going to get here is a series of interviews that are sort of like a bird's eye view of the whole thing. And we just sort of, you know, talked it out organically to get a snapshot of what's going on. Um, a lot of this is very important because we are living in the wake of um, the Winston Smith murder, or as we will go on to refer to it later, assassination, I would say. Um, 
So that's kind of the context you need for this. If uh, we'll, we'll explain it sort of in the interviews, but a, a guy named Winston Smith, who was a, uh, a rapper and a comedian and an organizer and, uh, you know, all of the above was uh, pretty much seems like assassinated by a group of U.S. Marshals or like some sort of federal task force that doesn't have to wear body cameras because they're above the police and they can sort of uh, operate in plain clothes and shoot before, you know, even really um announcing who they are and this has happened a couple times recently in you know in recent history and uh it seems like it happened again in minneapolis and it's you know all the more reason to continue the the fight there um but i wanted to know more about it and there isn't a whole lot of fucking reporting on this so so we're just talking to you know to, to street medics and to people that are out there protesting in the streets and stuff like that What you're getting for the rest of this episode is cutting edge on the ground reporting. Yeah. So if you like that, yippee for you. Uh Uh-huh. IRL perspectives. Yeah. What if... No more effect pedals from now on. Probably not. What if vice but good, you know? We sent Anders to Minneapolis. (laughs) He's just standing in front of the police station that's on fire. (laughs) Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, first we'll be talking to Gene. Okay, go ahead, Anders. Well, yeah, so it's been, of course, uh, you know, May 25th was the anniversary of George Floyd's death. And, uh, following that, there was some really, um, big news, of course, that the city council in Minneapolis announced that they were going to disband the Minneapolis Police Department that they wanted to, uh, which didn't happen overnight. There was some some very intensive organizing that was done to put pressure on them. Um, And it it has not happened, as as Link referenced. uh, They, you know, voted to disband. However, uh, in order to do that, you need to put that, they wanted to put that on the ballot. Uh, for 2020. And then all of a sudden, the Charter Commission, which is 15 members appointed by the county's chief judge, just rejected it. Uh, and so to do this, as Link was saying, you have to fully um, redo the charter system. There's all these layers of bureaucracy. And this is uh, I, this isn't unique to Minnesota, but there are a lot of things that, you know, locally, the most the most direct, responsive in theory uh, form of government. There's all these layers of bureaucracy to changing things from, to change things from happening. Like uh, St. Paul, for instance, just gathered enough signatures to put rent control on the ballot uh, for 2021. However, uh, the state is the one who sets the rent control laws. So there's all these hurdles and just hidden layers of bureaucracy that prevent this kind of social change. But uh, basically. Getting the uh, city council on board was a big symbolic move, but last summer um, it was reported that at, uh, I think it was Powderhorn Park in Minneapolis, uh, the council people were, you know, giving their big speech. They're saying, yeah, we're going to abolish the police. And then they were overheard talking amongst each other and they were like, so that basically just means we have to rename the MPD, right? We just have to put a new name on it. And that's it. Uh, but 
organizers and activists are very much uh, keen to this and are demanding, uh, and they, you know, there's an understanding, as our guests are going to mention, that this will take, that could take a while, but basically what they need to do is reinvest the money that goes to um, policing to uh, a public safety department that uh, deals with, um, and these are some things they're already working on, uh, you know, they, in in these times, there's a great essay by a couple of organizers there who write about uh, alternatives uh, to policing and real solutions for safety, race-based therapy, art therapy, yoga, providing affordable, healthy food to transforming models for schools. Um, and basically, what we need to think about is how to, you know, truly use violence as a last resort and how to take power away from uh the police and how to replace them with something. And it's a very difficult task because they are so entrenched, very powerful police union. They're headed by Bob Kroll, who is a lunatic. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to take a while, but uh, I think some change is possible now that there's, it, and I think the way to do that is by displaying for the people of any given city, uh, what the alternatives would look like. So showing them, oh, this is actually better if we have people who are trained in mental health crisis to deal with an unstable person. That's better than sending in a cop to shoot. Right. In, think- in Minneapolis parlance, currently violence is the cheese inside the juicy Lucy of public protection when what the That's state right. needs is a proper hamburger. Yeah. Otherwise, you yes. have a fucking heart attack at like age 50. You know, right. And then we need some beyond meat, folks, which is, uh, you know, you don't always have to tell people that they're eating beyond meat. You know, sometimes they it can be a burger. surprise. Right. The impossible burger can be a, an after the fact thing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. That makes perfect sense. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I think I'm sure. Uh, that's some co- we all agree it makes perfect sense this is good context i think for uh for what we're about to go into it's a series of interviews sort of an overview uh snapshot and i don't know if uh everyone involved will you know be thinking as in-depthly about the the wonky electoral side of this as us but um right. it's all it's part of it you know yeah it's kind of but you know i i think uh as as some of our guests Talk about the if there is electoral change, that's going to be a reverberation from uh, grassroots organizing. To be like- just to uh, get, spoil what's coming ahead, we did get called right wing, and also I mispronounced the Agape movement and thought it was a group called uh, the Agape uh, people whose logo is a fist, which I thought was hilarious, but it turns out it's Jake was <laughs> speaking out against gape culture, and the gape movement. No, I was speaking Minnesota. out against them appropriating gape culture. Cause that's, <laughs> you know, awesome and gnarly and weird. Um, it looks like they look like a bunch of disgusting dirt bags, but they're actually cops and that's not cool at all. Don't tell right. people. Don't that- let a, don't let cops gape. The people of your city. Yeah. Don't let them appropriate the fist. They don't know what to do with it. All right, this is getting disgusting and weird. Keep them away from the prostate of your civil <laughs> wellness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's talk to our first guest here. This is Gene. You and I. 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 
Gemini. Okay, we are now talking to Gene. Welcome to the show, Gene. Hi. Hi. Uh, Hello. Hi. <laughs> so, can you maybe give me a snapshot of just what it's been like in Minneapolis for the entire last year? Because um, I have noticed that things seem to be still going on there in a way that they've totally died down, like here in New York, for example. Uh, wow. It never stopped. Uh, we had predator drones flying over us last year when the protests started going down. And like, since then, just looking at the aircraft aspect, there's at least one neighborhood in our city being circled by a helicopter at all times. And half the time, like that's not showing up on air traffic apps or anything like that. And it's like every time something else goes down, every time there's a little nudge, we get the National Guard called in. They're basically always on standby now. And so we've had just like really long ongoing torture of various neighborhoods around the city, like everywhere from South Minneapolis to Brooklyn Center, which is in the north. And that's just like the thing that you can see concretely with your own eyes. Like we're dealing with a lot of misinformation from the biggest newspaper in our state that seems to be coordinated with the city. We've got all sorts of organizations that are not cool to queer people or black youth who are getting paid by our city to step in as quote mediators that are making it worse. Um, it's really wild to see the rest of the country saying that we're basically a burned out hellhole because if you don't go directly to where everything got burned down, like you, you can't tell <laughs> that things got burned down. Like you can smell the uprising in uptown a little bit and you can smell the uprising in South Minneapolis to this day but like it's just it's been a year like the the police didn't stop killing people the police didn't stop lying about killing people uh the covid funds by our that our city was supposed to use for a lot of really good things never got used and like we're in this constant battle where you know now our mayor is trying to get reelected and talking about all these great things he's going to do with the covid money and what we're seeing with all of that is that bureaucracy never moves fast enough to save people's lives. And there is just ongoing pushback from all of our elected officials and the standard not-for-profit not complex trying to keep uh, anarchist organizers and mutual aid networks kind of under their thumb. But the fact is that without the entire web i don't think anybody would have gotten through this shit like well, yeah. yeah so jacob frey the boy mayor is trying to <laughs> get reelected after everything that happened so publicly <sighs> last year that's crazy um <sighs> let's let's start here for anyone maybe uninitiated who's listening um can you tell me about i guess we should probably start with the the probably most high profile story which is the killing of winston smith what happened there? Best as we can tell, a radical black man who was a revolutionary and was very open about it in the community and on his social media was targeted by police for a charge that 
I mean, there's so much, you know, who, who really knows, but, you know, some people are claiming that the initial charge that they had the warrant out for was a total BS charge. And so he went on a date, he went and he had some lunch, posted pictures to his Instagram and wound up getting boxed in by at least half a dozen unmarked police cars by plainclothes officers who do not wear body cameras, who did not announce that they were there. Uh, we've got the witness who was his date in the car saying that she never, ever saw a gun. He had a phone in his hand. And we've got the pigs claiming that they got bullet casings and a gun out of his car. And yet again, in another instance, they have failed to do any gunshot or gunpowder residue analysis. And so, like, that's happening in a neighborhood where not too long ago we had another black man get murdered by police who made all sorts of unreasonable claims about what they found. I mean, and we've got a history here, too. There was a man who was murdered by police a few years ago, and they claimed, I believe they claimed he had a gun on him. Uh, Fong Lee. Fong Lee was killed by Jason Anderson and had a gun planted on him. And that was what the court decided. Like it really was planted. Then they just have not changed anything or done anything. So I think a lot of the anger and mobilization now is saying a lot about the fact that we've got other murders in uptown that are not resolved. Sure. Yeah. So Winston Smith was killed by us marshals, right? Which it's uh, what I'm reading Winston about. Smith was killed by a combination of Hennepin County sheriffs and Ramsey County sheriffs on a federal task force. I don't remember if it was the North star Task force or what we've had so many federal ta uh, federal task forces here that it's hard to keep the ones that are harassing water protectors and the ones that are killing people here straight. <laughs> but they did say it was Hennepin and Ramsey County sheriffs that fired the shots. And the big controversy here is that everybody thinks that we got police reform and that everybody has to wear body cameras. But if you take the step of making it a federal task force, All right. the law doesn't say you have to. The law says you can. And they chose not to. Right. And in a lot of cases, it sounds like even when they're supposed to, they whoopsie, forgot. Turned it off by accident. My finger slipped. Body camera not on. Yeah. Uh, very convenient. Uh, I'm curious, when you say the, the smell of the uprising, is that, and this may be a stupid question, do you mean literally you can still smell? Literally. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a certain combination of burnt down Comrade AutoZone, burnt down 3rd Precinct, uh, burnt down Wendy's Fryers. I uh, burned out Wendy's. Smells sounds... way more delicious. Yeah. yeah. Than, it smells like... Mm. <laughs> like but yeah nuggets. and we've still got i mean most of the things in that area where everything really really burned down the buildings have been knocked down a lot of them are getting rebuilt and then we've got the third precinct building which is boarded up and surrounded by a high fence and razor wire so they're oh. like preserving that for us which is nice hmm. and uh <laughs> I'm curious too when when you're talking about the COVID money is is not being distributed. I know it's in the case in a lot of cities, but do you have a sense that in Minneapolis specifically is that, is that sort of like a kind of retribution on the part of of the government against you know like the against the people for 
burning down the precinct or for the last year? Is is there a sense of people are being punished because well, of the withheld, or it's just bureaucracy? Some of it feels that way. Um, George Floyd Square still stands. Um, depending on who is there and who is doing watch and who is holding that space, sometimes traffic really doesn't go through it. Sometimes it's open to traffic, even though there are people milling around in the space. And part of the thing that our city is using right now is they're using something like $359,000 to pay organizations to come in and do their dirty work and get rid of barricades and power wash graffiti. And they're paying for that with money that is supposed to be used for COVID safety. (laughs) Like we've demonstrated that. And then we've also got the other piece of this is where the COVID funding, we had a polar vortex winter. It was negative 45 at one point. Hotel rooms for unsheltered houseless people, fully reimbursable by FEMA. The CDC still says that individual shelter is the only safe option other than an encampment. And we had unhoused people out here starting a collective and raising raising $40,000 to get themselves and every other unsheltered person we could find into a hotel for the week that it was the worst. So all of this burden that that should be placed on the city that my tax dollars go for is actually falling on the shoulders of people with way less privilege than me because like there is a constant othering of black and brown people in our city and if you happen to be black and brown and unsheltered you do not exist to this system and they'll spend the money they're supposed to spend on keeping you alive on having these organizations bully the community would you tell us a little bit about uh george floyd square i hadn't heard of that until i started reading for today's episode okay uh george floyd square is the intersection of 38th and chicago not really sure how far it extends in every direction but um there is a large greenhouse and a very large memorial there It used to be much bigger. It used to have the most poignant piece of art was just a huge ombre rainbow painted down about a block of the street with all of the names that they could come up with of victims of police murder. And that site was not initially barricaded. But a couple days after the murder happened in the like, just like in the case of Winston Smith, uh, somebody plowed through a space where people were grieving and that's when the barricades went up. It was like, do you know someone was killed here at a, at the Memorial for Winston Smith? Right. I heard about that. Yeah. So that's why the barricades went up and that's why they were barricading, uh, Wince Marie way because we have a history there. So beginning of June barricades went up and it remained completely held by the community and closed to traffic, except local traffic, for almost a year. But it's been contentious the entire time. They've got a list of 24 demands that they want met before, you know, no justice, no streets. But it's gotten squishy in the past few weeks with a lot of organizers on the ground deciding it's a marathon and not a sprint 
and that it's not the street that is important. It's the community that's highly contested, depending on what faction you talk to. But it's still there. It's still vibrant. They still have morning and evening meetings for anyone who wants to come. So I guess is it, is it mostly about like having taken the street, showing that there is power in collective action, or do you guys is it like a utilitarian meeting place? Like, what what's the value in your point of view? In my point of view, the entire city is traumatized, and they just they didn't want the site disrespected. And we had people from all over the world showing up to mourn and pay respects, and we still do. Um, it's a really, it was a really powerful moment, I believe, in American history. And some people really do do that respectively. Like some people just want to come sit there on the ground and look at the fist for an hour and they, they can't do that anymore. So, I mean, yeah, I think it was a little bit of everything because it was such a huge deal that for the longest time, even the more liberal organizations we're willing to do more radical actions to protect everyone's right to interact with the space and grieve how they needed to. I think I read at some point that it was operating as some of a somewhat of a quasi autonomous zone. Is that a thing that had happened or is still happening or what's the deal? Because I, I think what I had heard is that the, well, the police and Jacob Frey didn't really want to admit it. They also weren't really going into it in full uniform. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the exasperated size. Oh, I feel you. Long year. Um, I would say yes and no. There was a large swath of people involved down there and in various communities that didn't like calling it that, especially because of all the negative publicity of the Chaz, etc. Totally. And the idea of an autonomous zone is seen as a very white anarchist concept here. Yeah. So, I mean, you would see George Floyd Square autonomous zone painted on some things, but depending on who happens to be down there when you ask, you know, uh, they were not open to traffic. They did let police in at least once when there was actually a shooting there. But most of the police action that we saw happening in George Floyd Square was random bait cars that were obviously stolen and ditched and snuck in in the middle of the night and things like that. Okay, It was pretty obvious they were trying to make up excuses to come in. But there wasn't more violence down there than there usually is. Like, that corner is known. It has a history. Sure. Um, go, go ahead, Anders. Well, I, I know you uh, wanted to follow up a bit about, about these organizations that are sort of working on behalf of the city or funded by the city. Uh, to what extent are they sort of um, representing themselves as, as, you know, radical, speaking for the community? Uh, but not effectively sort of helping the, uh, the status quo. What, what are some of these organizations and, and how do they operate and how are you sort of pushing back a, against that? Well, they're not really framing themselves as radical. They'll get up at the podium with Fry and Arredondo and with the <laughs> heads of Operation Safety Net. That's super fun, shadowy government entity. 
and say that, you know, they're not trying to be radical. They just want peace or whatever, whatever. And, you know, when the city wants to pay people, they're not really going for the radical organizations. Mm. I mean, they're going for what seems very, very radical and slightly scary to our very white liberal leadership. Okay. That was the thing I wanted to ask about. I don't know if you know about any of these in detail, but uh, I keep reading about these like sort of police collaborator groups, like NGO type organizations that yes. are proposing to be like moderators between the, the ongoing protest and the police and are, you know, obviously just advantageous to the police and full of moles and stuff like that. Yeah, we have a ton of that. Uh, somewhere there is a whole diagram of how all of these various organizations are connected to each other, connected to the mayor. Uh, we're starting to see some really troubling overlap in some of the organizing where very right wing people who have been proudly photographed with Proud Boys, um, pe people who are present at the January 6th insurrection are just hanging out on Facebook with the same people and having fun conversations with the same people who are painting over the artwork at Winsmarie Way. And so it's the the more you look into it, like it sounds like we all need tinfoil hats, but like we've got receipts for all of this showing that like now these people who used to hang out with the Proud Boys are trying to weasel their way into things here. And I'm not going to call out specific organizations. I think another person you're talking to, uh, because he is a black man, his take is more important than mine, but it's really obvious that they're not interested in the kind of liberation that centers people like say black queer youth. We've gotten a lot of misogyny and homophobic stuff and threats of assault, etc., toward black queer youth coming from these organizations and it's it's really troubling. It's troubling that they're doing it at all, but it's really troubling that they are using organizations whose members really make people feel unsafe. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I won't right. rattle off a bunch of them, but there's just one that keeps popping up on what I'm reading about called the Agape Movement, which is just so insanely like branded. Because I guess what they're saying is that they're bridging the gap between like the police and the community, but their T-shirts are just black with huge white letters that say Agape. <laughs> well, it's it's actually Agape. Oh, uh -oh. I was about uh, to say right, like I'm I not crazy here. <laughs> Uh -oh. I choose to read it as a gape, just like every time I see U.S. Bank, I think us bank. <laughs> it's more fun in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are one organization that has been on the ground and been propped up as the model for how our city wants to heal the community. But, you know, I've got unhoused folks living in the area that are telling folks that they're getting harassed by these people. And there just is no, like, who do you complain to when somebody does a hate crime against you when they're paid by the city? We don't know how to do that. They don't have a, a manager. They don't have, they're just getting paid to do whatever the hell. And I'm sitting here going, hi, we've got 20 people who live in this encampment. It's going to be negative 45. Could you chip in $5 to our fundraiser, Mr. Mayor? 
Yeah. And like nothing. <laughs> well, just to round out here, I mean, you've been talking about the uh, the idea of the marathon versus the sprint here. Um, where do you see all of this stuff heading in the uh, short or long run? I mean, is it just sort of like an endless mutual aid effort while keeping the demands posted, or is there is there, is there any sign of uh, any sort of action that's going to kind of put pressure on on the city or anything being put together well i i would like to say that i was confident that fry wouldn't get reelected, but we know he's probably going to well there's ranked choice right so that could uh help him potentially or or yeah he didn't get enough to get the dfl endorsement which is great but our governor endorsed him today or yesterday because he likes playing army in our city <laughs> um, and Brooklyn Center. They played Army in Brooklyn Center, too. Um, I guess that's the thing is we don't exactly know because so many of us, I feel like the whole city feels like this. And, and half of the people just want to blame blame crime or blame all the crime on this, et cetera, et cetera. But I think everybody who lives here feels like nothing is right in our city and that we are one or two more big events from something really big happening because a lot of people I know that previously had been affiliated with the not-for-profit sector have been radicalized this past Mm. year. Oh, interesting. And I really, because, well, that's the thing is everyone, everyone who's involved in that sector is like, you know, there's a right way to do this. There's, you know, this sort of accountability is the only kind and blah, blah, blah. They do it for a year and it doesn't work. That makes sense. Yeah. And so like everybody is so frustrated because we've all been fighting so long and the anarchists and everything are doing things one way and the not-for-profit sector is doing things another way. And I, I don't know if anybody even has the bandwidth to sit down and try to bridge those gaps because we're always kept in a state of emergency. There's always helicopters that they never tell you why they're circling with the helicopters or you can't see them on the radar. We have a spy plane out here. Uh, anybody listening to this who wants to know more about what's happening should look at Unicorn uh riot dot ninja i believe is their website uh their ur under slash ninja on twitter and they're basically the only journalist we trust to do on the ground reporting here but we've got a spy plane that can see your heat signature through a building through cloud cover from blocks and blocks away flying around us regularly god damn (laughs) normal stuff yeah (laughs) Um, nobody knows like i wish we i wish we had a plan because i think everybody really felt like when you watch somebody die on camera and it takes that long and you watch them do it that many times and you have shit getting burned down and you take a police precinct and you do all this stuff i think everybody thought we were gonna get further with that because we'd never burned shit down before and so a year later, like everybody's getting burned out. And yeah. we've also like we've got uh line three. It's splitting it's splitting our on the ground forces because like we need bodies at the Mississippi River and at every single anti Enbridge action right now. It's the most critical time. 
and they're sorry line three is uh, a light rail line or enbridge uh tar sands pipeline for oh okay got it i don't know why i thought that was a light rail yeah we're so so many fronts we've got so many fronts everybody's just kind of doing doing the best they can do and it would be really cool if the pigs could stop murdering people so we have a week to breathe (laughs) yeah Anders, well, you have a question? Yeah. I mean, that just sounds sort of in- intentional on their part, you know, like that's yep. that's part of the keep it, keep things constantly chaotic so people don't have room to, you know, it's part of the reason why, not to get too abstract here, but the, why people are working so long in this country and around the world and people are being squeezed so tight is because you have less time to organize and get together and think about the world and change things. Um, yeah, and that's really scary about the the heat sensor uh, drones. I mean, not it's to get vaguely, to- It's vaguely comforting to know that when I stand on my deck and I give them both fucking fingers, they can see them. <laughs> yeah, like, they're if they're going to be watching me anyway, like, zoom in on this, dude. <laughs> yeah. You look like a T-1000 or something. That's cool. <laughs> um, well, thank you for joining us. Um, is there anything else you... Is there anything you want to promote or anything before we get out of here? I, I really just want to push people toward Unicorn Riot's coverage of everything going on in Minnesota right now. I really want people to take a look at mpd150.com because we're serious about abolishing our police. And that is the most, that just the best resource we've got for explaining why, because it's Minneapolis police specific. And I do have a couple of open collectives for encampments of unsheltered people with much longer links than i can say that i would like to point people through uh, my own twitter or whatever we can put anything you want in the show notes just uh send it to me online yeah because that money goes straight to people living unsheltered and they have full control over it right okay well uh thank you for talking to us and uh good luck and solidarity in the (laughs) struggle against the goddamn pigs Thank you. Bringing daddies on the beat. Hey, my sister, we so mafioso. I like the pilot, but I'm riding solo. I'm moving silence. We talking. All right, now we are joined by Soul, a street medic who also runs a Twitter account for Smith Marie Square. Soul, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for talking to us. Glad to learn about these squares. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, can you tell us, uh, I guess, to start off about Smith Marie Square? What is it? When did it start? How's it going? Well, it started off as Boogie World uh, with the original assassination of Winston Smith. And then with the unfortunate murder of Deanna Marie, we have adapted the name Smith Marie Square in honor of both of them. Um, I don't think we've talked about Deanna Marie yet. Can you explain to us uh, who Deanna Marie is and what happened? Deanna Marie was the woman who was uh, murdered in by vehicle. Um, they were playing volleyball in the intersection at about 12 p.m. that night. I forgot exactly which night it was. And a car, a, a truck from three block, at least three blocks down came speeding down the, um, the street at a hundred miles per hour and rammed into the protesters playing volleyball. 
And uh, it was a fatality for Deanna Marie and two other people. Five, uh, five other people were also hit. Two other people were also injured, but those two people lived. Okay. And was this uh, someone, was this like a drunk driver or was this like intentional? Um, we, uh, I'm going to say for legal reasons that we believe it was intentional because he was revving up from three blocks down, according to other witnesses. And when he got out of the vehicle of his own volition, he said that he was going to kill himself afterwards anyway. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of tracks is uh, a lot of evidence in one direction there. Yeah. Well, it's also been like a thing for the last year is, uh, the, this is like a, a weird fascist tactic for attacking protesters is right jumping in a fucking car i agree okay all right well um can you tell me a little bit about what you uh what's going on at smith marie square uh you know is it is it is it similar to george george floyd squares or mutual aid stuff is it just vigils and stuff like that um it's everything uh they're having an event today uh we're having a um they uh, we've gotten together on demands. So we're having like a demand release party. Um, there's barbecues, there's food. Uh, the garden is really huge. Um, people come, they make art. People come with their own megaphones and they say whatever their message is. They pra- practice their freedom of speech. Um, the, the memorial for Winston Smith is up in the parking garage where he was murdered. Um, but a lot of people hang out next to the, um, unfortunate death site of Deanna Marie because that is the one that is on the street where she was murdered on the sidewalk. Um, so yeah, there isn't much that doesn't go on there in, in the name of good old, uh, practicing our right to protest. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, do you face harassment from the police? Uh, is there a huge presence there or they stay away? How's that work? So in the beginning, uh, as with everything, there is a huge police presence. Nowadays, they just pass by. They honk every now and then. And um, the pr- the property manager um, for the the side that is the garden, um, there there have been conversations and there has been pushed back and forth. So no, as of right now, uh, from my perspective. I will say that no one is getting pushed back in the garden, but Link, uh, being more involved in the garden, might tell you differently. Um, as for the street and the other side of the um, the driveway, which is public property, um, there's been a lot of pushback um, because that's the part that the police can get involved in because that's public. And also that's the part the city gets involved in because it's the street and the road um they've covered up a lot of graffiti of course every time something gets covered up it gets put back um they've tried to clear the memorial the protesters wouldn't let them still not letting them um and there's also a uh, art event coming up in august where speaking for myself i'm going to be expecting a lot more pushback against the space to try to clear it out so the bougie white people can come by mosaic brass ugly fish <laughs> yeah for and sure you mentioned uh you have a list of demands now can you share with us some of the the demands and uh strategic discussions you have uh, about how to implement them 
Um, I can't share any uh, strategic discussions because I wasn't there for some of the discussion. Okay. Um, but I can say that, uh, some of the demands, there are uh, sections of demands. Some demands are for the property manager. Some demands are for the mayor. Some demands are for city council. Mm. Um, and that's as far into it as I can go. Okay. All right. Fair fair enough. enough. Um, can you tell, tell me a little bit? Uh, about what it's been like to uh, work as a street medic for the last year. Any um, have things gotten, you know, hairy? Well, I'm new, so I've been a street medic since about May. Okay. Um, but as far as the street medic situation uh, goes overall, it hasn't just been about um, the the start of the Civil War around George Floyd. It has also been the pandemic because our unhoused population grew and medics go where they are called to. So, um, and the, and that's the same is said for mutual aid. Um, but since the start of the civil war, um, there, there has been pushback. It's unfortunately, it's common for street medics to be attacked. Uh, for giving aid. Um, and I honestly don't know why that is because attacking medics is actually a crime, like a war crime. It's a war crime, yeah. Yes, but you know, fascist police state, you know, war crimes abundant, right? So, um, yeah, I've seen medics get attacked. And even after that, I still decided to go to the training uh, because I've wanted to be a street medic for a very long time since before all this even happened. But, um, as a medic now, I mostly do mental health medicing, not physical health medicing. Um, so, you know, when, when, no matter what kind of medic you are, there's always a, a hairy situation going on. But um, people make their choices on how arrestable they want to be that day. And I keep mine very low. So, um, of course, the police can decide to roll up at any time. But I would say for what I'm doing, things aren't that dangerous, at least not right now. Okay. Makes sense. I know some street medics. Uh, yeah. So solidarity for sure. Um, Can I ask what, what uh, made you, you said you've always wanted to be a street medic. What inspired you to, to be one? Um, ever since I found out about what a street medic is since shortly after I moved to Minnesota, um, I, I like to be where I'm needed. I like to, to help people. I like to be efficient in my community. Um, my community always means the most to me. So I want to be there for them in any way that I can. That is also healthy for me. Okay. Beep, boop, beep, boop, technical difficulties. Hi, this is Jake. I am editing this podcast right now. And the sound was destroyed at the end of this uh, podcast for some reason. I don't know what happened. Um, so unfortunately, we're going to miss the last few minutes of talking to Soul here. But uh, just to supplement what we... Had to cut out of the podcast. I would like to tell you about uh, Soul's mutual aid drive. Uh, it's called Get Portable Rechargeable Batteries to Our Unhoused Neighbors, Demonstrators, and Anyone Who Needs Them. Power to the People accepts funds through Venmo Cash App. Um, and they have Venmo and Cash App at, at T O R I Y O U J O. All this will be in the show notes. 
Um, but I think what they're doing is giving out power, ba- like battery packs that you charge your phone on portably uh, to protesters and stuff. So, yeah, to demonstrators, protesters, everyone, um, which is really useful if you've ever had to be outside for a long time. I used to use two or three of those at a time when I was a bike messenger, so I know all about it, man. Um, and it's also uh, mutual aid for a ride-sharing aid cab um you can look all into that on our show notes show notes show notes i don't know why i started talking australian um but yeah so uh everything will be in the notes check out souls stuff all right let's move along man she wanna be with the stars she wanna be with the stars she only be with the stars all right, we're now joined by uh, Comrade Link. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so you are uh, you're at the damn thing right now, huh? I am. I am. Currently cool. overlooking the, the Memorial Garden. Um, yeah, it looks pretty intense. I can see through the Zoom call here. Um, cool, man. Well, yeah, everyone listening, look look through the Zoom call. No, please. shut up. You can't. Oh, look. let me. Can I show? Can I show it off? No, they can't see it. I mean, they we can see it. I was joking. I was joking. They can't see it. Word, word. Okay, word, word. <laughs> yeah, I was just fucking around. Um, <laughs> so I guess what we were going to talk about a little bit here was um, you were describing as the narrative wars around Winston Smith. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? Um. So from the jump, uh, day numero uno, uh, when Winston was assassinated, um, there were uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, a part of the Violence Prevention, the Office of Violence Prevention Group in Minneapolis. Um, uh, and and um, so these, these are orgs that are funded by, grouped by that. Um, they were at the front line. They were at the uh, caution tape telling everybody, you know, if people wanted, to, wanted answers, you know, who, who got killed, you know, what's going on. And these orgs were at the front. Of, How do we know that this wasn't the guy who killed one of our, our babies over north? Because at this time, there were three kids, um, Ladavion. Naya and Trinity, all under 10, and they got killed over, uh, in the, over Northside, um, from, sh- uh, street violence. Uh, and they were up here, uh, talk, how do we know this isn't the killer? One Star Tribune shortly after that tweeted out a whole article said murder suspect killed in uptown parking garage. And so that was, that was narrative war number one. They Star Tribune, um, probably the most, uh, viewed newspaper media or local me- newspaper media organization in the Twin Cities um, put out the narrative that Winston Smith was a murder suspect. Sure. So then that got out. Um, and then the community knew six hours later who Winston Smith was and that he had no connection to anything of those three kids or any type of even gang violence in the city. Actually, he was a local comedian, local Instagram influencer. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're all comedians. We saw that and we're like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah as you were saying that, Anders spilled soup on his shirt. Yeah, like a comedian. Oh, word? More like a Kratom. Clown. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's Kratom. <laughs> okay. So it's not weed. Drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, um, so, yeah, it took them five days to retract it. And when they retracted it, it was a, uh, it was, it wasn't even, it was an editorial. It wasn't right. even like, uh, they do that right. in the media a lot where it's like by the time that they edit it, it's our, no one's, re- no one's reading it. Uh, everybody, the word already got out. That was right. The Star Tribune sucked. I've I've written two letters to the editor that have been published in the Star Tribune because they always they that's what they do is they'll do some dog shit article 
and then they'll let you gas on about it in the in the uh, letters to the editor, and then it never gets like retracted or whatever. They just had bullshit statistics about trade policy like ten years ago, and my you know twenty year old ass had to uh, chime in. <laughs> no, yeah, and it, and, it, and it's crappy, right? They, they end up just being like, I don't know, man. Uh, capitalism spokesperson. I don't know, man. Yeah, it, 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 they just they just they pair it. It's crazy, man. And then yeah, like they just leave it up for like interpretation. They leave it up for like uh, the the opinion pieces, how they word things. Um, it's crazy, man. Yeah, the media is very very powerful, and and people just act like it. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's crazy how powerful the media is and yeah. like, what I mean, they decide to do with their power. It's a tool, you know, for them against mm-hmm. us. I, I noticed, like, as I was reading about this, it's my understanding that what happened is they uh, used the they used the pretense that he supposedly had a murder charge to explain away what was obviously an assassination by these like sort of U.S. Marshal Task Force. Um, and then if you read into it, he did not have a murder charge. All he had was like a, a charge for like possessing a weapon. I like, think he got pulled over and he had like a gun in his car. And I, people have pointed out like, oh, if you look at his social media, I mean, most of it is like just promoting music and then like, you know, st- comedic sketches and shit he had a thing where he, had, he was like showing off his car and then it was the oscar meyer wiener mobile it's pretty funny you know <laughs> and then he's got a picture of him with like a gun or something which like sure but like there are pictures of me with a gun on the internet and i didn't get a fucking assassinated this week you know i mean what does that mean you know guns are legal in minnesota it's, yeah it's not a crime to have a gun and take a, a photo with it uh that's the main fun. thing that they're good for is taking photos with it's fucking cool right that's so, all you should do with them frankly uh, but like, do you feel like this is sort of reminiscent? Uh, I mean, this is tale as old as time, right? Uh, black person gets uh, murdered and then the media sort of rewrites their history as, you know, a quote unquote thug or whatever. Uh, but do you feel like this is sort of reminiscent too of the outside agitators narrative, um, from last summer, like the people, good, good, uh, church going liberals in Minnesota didn't want to believe that people from Minneapolis and St. Paul actually had grievances that they were taking out on the police, that this was just a, a big plot of people from out of town. Um, th- is that kind of the same way that the media is constructing a narrative? And, and uh, Bingo. Okay. Bingo. You, you got it. Um, and like, yeah, the, 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 like you said, it's the age of time, the, 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 the murder of the, the black person and then the murder of the character. Uh, there was a, uh, fuck, I don't know what state it was in. His name's Hunter Bertain. He was 17 years old. He was killed by local law enforcement in Lone Oak, uh, Lone Oak, uh, Lone Oak County, Arkansas. His name's Hunter Bertain. Okay. Uh, and then he got killed, uh, unjustly by, by, by police, um, just, just a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I went on his Facebook page. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, cause he was innocent and he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been killed. He was a 17 year old white kid. I went on his Facebook page. He's got pictures with hunting rifles and, and sniped, uh, uh, you know, all types. That was not the pictures that they portrayed for him when, when they were announcing that he was killed by police officers. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, no, it, that, that was just something that, that I had to, I don't know, po- point out since we were talking about that or briefly past that. That, you know, that's, yeah, the, the, it, it seems intentional. Yeah. Well, the only thing about this is that, you know, you refer to it as an assassination. And I think that's an opt uh, or an apt phrase because, you know, this isn't a case of the police, you know, 
you know, it's, uh, as so many shootings are, is oh, they just sort of out doing police shit, and then they sort of like accidentally kill someone on purpose. This is seems like it was orchestrated because of his social media presence, because he was talking about you know militant resistance, which is something that all of us are fucking talking about. But they took it to one guy, and it seems like they pinned it on him that they could at least you know the narrative could be like, oh, look at this scary black guy who's talking about armed uprising and shit like that. Dude, and like it, it, it is an assassin. I, I use that word, and I, I like how you broke it down because you broke it down perfectly. And it is, dude. Like, if you go to if you go to Winston's Instagram, he died June third, uh, June first, and June second. He was in the sa- he was in the same park. He hung out in this area. Like, he went to Stella's often, and you know, he was in this parking lot June first and June second. He was in the exact same parking lot that they came, but he was with his homeboys, right? It, it was he was with his homeboys. And if they were, if they were monitoring, he was shooting skits. If they were monitoring him, like, like they said they were through social media. Yeah. Well, they knew he was on this part. They knew he was at the same spot that they just got him on the third. They knew he was there the two days prior, but he was with different crowds, right? They waited until he was on a date with a young lady. And then they didn't get him in Stella's. They didn't get him on his walk across the street from Stella's to the parking structure. They got him while he was cornered in his car and keep in mind they had a whole operation they had shut down electricity and the, and the parking structure so they knew that he was going to eventually have to come from Stellas to the parking ramp but why did they choose that way to execute the arrest you know because mm. it, it, it wasn't an arrest it was an assassination in my opinion i don't know i don't but i mean that's just yeah that's it's crazy man yeah what well, if the incentive or the the motive behind killing this uh winston in particular Oh, like you said it, man. He was starting to pop. Like, I don't know if uh, people know about like the uh, it's like a um, what is it? A uh, it's a it's a it's a a new wave or whatever of like um, hood comedy is what it's called. Um, uh, it started in Chicago and then it branched off in Atlanta with DC Young Fly. The, uh, he's probably the most famous one who uh, who got his start in what's called hood skits or comic hood comedy skits. Um, and that's what Winston Winston was on his way to was getting millions of views and. Um, yeah, a couple months ago, uh, he was telling people like, yo, look, y'all protesting with y'all hands up, talking about be peaceful. His perspective was we've been doing that for too long. You know what I'm saying? And like a lot of other people feel the same way. Like, bro, we, we need to maybe switch up our tactics. You know what I'm saying? And with millions of people watching them, you can't be, you know, and, right. millions, and, and it's not millions of liberals. It's millions of people coming from the same material conditions that he's coming from you know people from impoverished conditions people who necessarily didn't feel like they fit in in school whether it be the the teachers or the administration making them feel alienated so they may have had to leave school and hop into another lane of life you know what i'm saying those are the type of people that was watching winston that laughed at winston that that winston influenced you can't have millions of people getting ideas like that. You know what I'm mm, saying? Yeah. Dude, this story, okay, this story started to come into focus for me, and it's fucked up. Because, I mean, you got this guy making, like, front-facing videos, which is a pretty harmless thing that all all of our friends do all the time. And so he gets, gets successful, starts to gain some traction, and then simultaneously on the same social media feed is criticizing nonviolent protest, which needs to be fucking criticized because they use it to keep us from, you know, being able to leverage any power against them. So they see the combination of that, and they go, okay, we need to nip this thing in the bud. Makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Damn, man. Well, um, I mean, thanks for uh, illuminating that for us. It makes a lot more sense. Right. Uh, from from what I read, so this is a U.S. Marshals. Essentially, like they had like six cars surrounding his vehicle, and he's shot to death in his own car suddenly in a parking lot. 
And uh, the one comparison I kept seeing over and over again when I was reading about this is it's similar to Michael Reinal, who a few months ago essentially was disappeared behind a back alley and shot 40 times by the same, you know, federal group. So mm -hmm. is, is, is there any, I don't know, connection that you're seeing between these two? Is, is this a, a pattern that, like, what can we even do about this? Well, you, well, you look at who Michael Reinhold was, right? He, he, he was a protector of his community. Um, he, 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 he engaged in protests. He stood up for black lives. He stood up for racial injustice and, and social injustices, right? Um, that was his whole, he had dedicated his life to that. Um, and then he protected his friend, um, from a terrorist, a white supremacist. And then, um, yeah, he got hunted down by a U.S. Marshal Federal Task Force, right? So, and, and then, and then after that, the, the president who, who sent that, who, who sent that hit, I'm going to call it a hit. What did he say when during the interview of it? They did, they weren't interested in arresting him. They got in there, bing, bang, bow. It was done, right? That's what he said about the U.S. Federal Task Force, U.S. Marshals Federal Task Force. That's what he said about the people who went and killed Michael Reinhold. Fast forward now, Biden's administration, we have a political dissident, someone who is, is an influencer in, in uh, Winston Smith. Uh, he's an influencer on Instagram, on social media. And then he's getting the message out of different tactics than nonviolent protesting. You know what I'm saying? And then, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just saying that it seems to me like the, the, the trend here is that the police, the marshals especially, have figured out that if you can point to anything of this person ever appearing with a gun or having a charge for anything at any time in the media, you can essentially just wipe them out with no questions asked. And they've and like kind is. of found the sweet spot of uh, who they can take out for that, which is scary, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's super scary because because Winston was on state probation, right? His warrant was a state level warrant. Why the hell is a federal like you, you said it? They kind of they're going to justify reasons to involve these federal hit squads who really we think MPD is or Minneapolis Police Department is accountable to no one. And our local police, these people are really accountable to no one. They don't have to wear body cam. They summoned Hennepin County Sheriff's Office and Ramsey County Sheriff's Office here in Minnesota to be, to take part in this federal, and then they mandated in Minnesota law for them to wear body cams. Told them, take their body cams off because the federal government, we don't operate like that. Take your body cams off. And we don't got no dash cams. Ain't going to be no footage of this. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow, wow. Yeah, that they're, yeah, yeah. That's what, that, you're exactly right. They're justifying sending hit squads out on people who have been taking pictures with guns or like, <sighs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, crazy. thank God that we here at this show are not that popular or funny because otherwise they might target <laughs> us. Because <laughs> uh, we do talk about political shit. Um, all right. Well... All right, just to round this down here, uh, we just spent everybody we'll be talking to uh, because this is such a long, ongoing situation. Um, I guess I just wanted to ask your particular point of view on um, or your impression on maybe where things are heading, what the future looks like with any of this stuff, especially in Minneapolis, where I know things are, you know, not getting covered the way they should be. And is there any uh, hope that you're going to get little little Jacob boy out of there, gentrification kicked out? Yeah. Well, huh. Uh, yeah, so that, so, uh, just a little, um, I guess I try to make it as brief as possible. Last year, um, with the George Floyd and, um, and Derek Chauvin, um, uh, thing, there was a talk of the, of the council, city council, Minneapolis city council disbanding the MPD. Well, there's a hidden feature in our structure, uh, that's called a charter. 
a charter is a bunch of unelected people who basically is the the buffer between the the charter I mean the council and the mayor. So the council writes stuff up, and then the charter sees it, and they say, "Nah, y'all not we're not pushing this through to the mayor. It's not worth it." Or yeah, we'll push this through to the mayor. Um, Fry is running up against um, a lady named Sheila Nazai. Uh, uh, she's a, she believes in abolition. When Sheila gets in there, she's gonna get rid of the charter commission. And Sheila just beat Fry in the first um, the first uh, the runoff. Uh, election here in Minneapolis, she just beat Fry. Uh, I think she was 57% and Fry was 43 or something like that. Um, so that, 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 that's, that's huge, I feel like. And then, like, I feel like that's greatly in part to the on the ground work of Minneapolis this past year. And, uh, making, I mean, you, I mean, they say we're making Minneapolis political. You kind of have to, man. I mean, that's, that's, everything's politics, man. But right. I, it, it's whether you dismiss, Someone's real. Like you can dismiss it as politics because you're not going through it. But someone else in real life is going through that. A policy creates politics, right? And and like, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that that is a up and up. Sheila beats Fry, and then our on the ground fight becomes easier. I'm I've lost faith in electoral politics, but I'm I'll admit if if you know our ground our our on the ground work becomes easier if Sheila gets in office. So production, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to us, and thanks for uh, all the work you're doing out there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, for sure. Where can people uh, find you and, and get involved in the work you're doing? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Violent Leftist, <laughs> or uh, just look up Comrade yes. Face Link. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, or find me at the Winston Marie Memorial. Here in Uptown. Oh, <laughs> that is such a good Twitter handle. Alright, alright, yeah, I appreciate you. And hold this ain't no love song. No bitch left me puzzled ever. I was good at Alright, that was an episode about police. Holy shit. Everyone should pay attention to what's happening in Minneapolis. Let's get the fuck out of here. What does everyone have to plug? Anders, go ahead. At Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley1 Instagram. Uh, check out Stomp Out Slumlords if you're in D.C. Uh, and also my other job, Redacted Tonight, on YouTube and Portable.tv, in which I have a, a segment about the nonprofit industrial complexes, my latest thing. You can check that out. Cool. Alex Patak. Uh, for a bunch of uh, unimportant things that you can go check out instead, you could go and follow me <laughs> on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen and experience my exciting new season of the hit radio drama Theater of Delights, Season 3, Fahrenheit 420, The Temperature at Which Weed Catches Fire and Burns, a dystopian future where weed is illegal and then firemen have to light it on fire with a flamethrower. Uh, part 1 is out now. The other part... Coming up very soon. If you want to listen to the other part, you have to listen to the first part. That's how radio works. And so this is an exciting time for you to go and uh, hit that subscribe button and listen to my sweet content, baby. And that will be it for this week. Um, You can always like, subscribe, and all that shit to us. It helps us out on iTunes. Also, we have merch for sale, which um, I did not realize I wasn't charging shipping and handling on those shirts with rats on them. So if you bought one of those, guess what? You have five extra dollars in your pocket. Uh, but I fixed it. Uh, also, 
if you ordered a shirt from us in Australia, it basically cost us the amount of money that we made off of it <laughs> to, sh- Send ship, back. to ship it to you. No, I just sent it. I don't give a fuck. Enjoy the shirt. Amy um, Therese owes us a shirt. Amy Therese is out there just wearing an extra large, oversized PDA shirt, wrapping us like a, a fucking like a homie from the 90s. Um, <laughs> I like to sleep oh. in my podcast chat. <laughs> Real quick, can I plug, actually, so we we're talking about how crappy the Star Tribune is in most local media, uh, but there is a great website. I believe they're kind of on a hiatus right now, but there's still a ton of good content um, that uh, it will help you understand, like, Minneapolis at the municipal level and like what's happening with gentrification and, and policing and all that stuff. Tin, Twin Cities Daily Planet. Okay. Um, yeah. Twin, one of the only good outlets in Minnesota. Twin Cities Daily Planet. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. All right. Let's just keep podcasting forever. I will never stop. I'm so I'm not tired. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I'm going on tour with uh, my pal Avery Moore, who's one of the funniest comedians of all time. And isn't on Twitter because she keeps telling telling Republicans to commit suicide and stuff. Um, we're going on we're tour. To change that law in August from uh, if you're anywhere from Houston to Los Angeles and everywhere in between, we're coming. So check that out. Look for it upcoming. I'll be putting the notes up or the dates up and stuff. And listen to Why You Mad My Other Show. And that is it. Let's get the fuck out of here. It's see you in hell. Arrested. See you in cop hell from regular <laughs> hell because you're a cop, bitch. Uh oh shit. <laughs> uh yo, okay, actually one more thing here at the end of the episode. If you've been paying attention, the music between all of these segments, the interstitial tracks have been Wins me boy, Winston Smith's uh stage name. I guess that he raps under. Um, I looked him up, but his music's really good. And at the risk of getting us fucking Taylor Swifted by the pigs, I am going to play as an outro song this one that he has up on YouTube that was released March of this year, titled Feel Alive. And I think it's pretty sad and pretty heartbreaking that this was put up so close to his death because it's listed simply as a song for my mother. So, damn. It's good, though. He's a really good rapper. Once me boy, feel alive. Allow me to introduce myself. To the world, 89, I was born to a girl And I refer to that girl as my mama First name Elisa, used to call her Tawana And dear Lord, I hope you know she tried So bless her, cause without her there is no I You gotta break down the beat and let the song just cry Sometimes you gotta stand strong for your mom, that's why Cause she been praying for so long at night Like she just waiting for the day that every wrong went right Her whole life she had to fight, why don't I just die? But listen, mama, you deserve it all, that's why I know you see the clouds gray and they darken your sky And when your kids don't come around, and make you not wanna try I thought of giving up before too, I'm not gonna lie But if you look at me in my eyes
not enough to help you fight this life I know your sun is not enough to brighten up your night But with a song you can play it back so I'll just write Cause when the money looking tight the world is not so nice You gotta learn to roll the dice, you live it once not twice So play your cards right until it's one that swipes And mama if you drop the tears this the one that wipes them The people in the world are cruel and no one likes them I wanna separate myself I had to pray to God he really took me out of cell And when I pray to God I ask him take us out this hell The pain to go away because I think about it still I think about how precious are the moments that we share It's taking like a week to write this song and sure I care I worry about your mama take a life I wouldn't dare I know you be depressed and that depression thing is real Before I call it a night I know you'll be playing this until the end of your life I know they'll be playing this one while they dimming the lights This the one be in my head while they reading your rights Or a date night while she slip on the tights Meet Mr. Right to see if he was your type And what was all the hype? Trust me, I know what you like Just another nobody, sir, please don't prove it right Sit tight, sleep tight, it's goodnight wouldn't say goodbye cause that would make you cry I'm not trying to be nice, I'm not doing it for likes We're not doing this tonight, couldn't ruin if you tried Settle down, let it sink, let your dirty thoughts stink down the drain Wash your hands and keep them clean Life is love, I've been ignoring what it means For your happiness to grow, I plenty seeds